the vindication and the frustration. The Wuhan lab leak hypothesis goes mainstream. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for June 2nd, 2021. Chris Holm from Conspire Theory returns with Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Render-Kingfisk, to discuss how President Biden and other politicians on the left, the mainstream media, and many predominant scientists who initially panned the lab leak hypothesis are now some of its most prominent proponents. How did this crazy conspiracy gain legitimacy? And why? Could it be that the taint from Donald Trump and his advocacy of this theory has worn off? and it is now safe to talk about the lab leak hypothesis without hurting your reputation? Is there a chance that there is now new proof that makes the lab leak hypothesis more plausible, such as newly released reports about systematic problems at the Wuhan Institute of Virology dating back years, or that more people are willing to talk about the containment problems that occurred there? Or is it that the zoonotic origin story about how this virus originated at the Hunan Wholesale Market, coincidentally located across the street from the Wuhan Institute of Virology where gain-of-function experiments were performed, is the dumbest and most insulting theory about the COVID-19 origins, and that the world realizes that we've been lied to by people such as Dr. Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak, who were duplicitous from the very beginning and were lying to cover their own tracks. Hmm, stay tuned. Okay, so Jay, let's say that you uh, meet somebody who's never heard of the lab leak hypothesis. How would you explain to this person what exactly is the lab leak hypothesis and why why is it so controversial in five minutes or less? Go. I would say to them that we don't know the origins of the COVID-19 virus. One of the theories that has been espoused and is currently being investigated is that the lab in the Wuhan lab of virology in China was doing uh, research into viruses. And it's possible, or at least according to the theory, it is possible that that is how this virus came to infect pretty much the entire world. I think that that's as close to the cliff notes as you're going to get without putting people to sleep. I think the other thing that we ought to point out is that while Barack Obama was still in office, a science advisor had said to him, listen, we have to stop doing gain of function research on these deadly pathogens and trying to figure out how can we make them more dangerous. And Barack Obama said, you know what? I think that you're right because accidents happen. Like, look at Fukushima and Chernobyl. Accidents happen. You can have all the safeguards in the world in place or on the procedure books, but accidents still happen. This is probably a bad idea. And Peter Daszak from EcoHealth Alliance had said, well, wait a minute. This this is important research. We should continue to do this. And and um, I think it was the FDA under Barack Obama had said, you can do that all you want. You can't do it here. So <laughs> Peter Daszak reached out to the Chinese government and they said, we want to continue to do gain of function research and gene splicing on mic- microscopic organisms. Yeah, let's outsource our ethics. Yeah. Sure. And they said, well... Why not just do it in the middle of the city of Wuhan? Oh, that's a great idea. A highly populated um, area, which is like the travel hub for all of China. What a great! Just blame it on the wet market. Let's yeah. And if anything should happen, we'll just we'll just blame it on the wet market, and we'll we'll be we'll be fine. And and they were using like technology like CRISPR and and gene splicing tools. Uh, to see how bad bad can actually get so that when there's a horrible outbreak that occurs naturally, we'll have some idea on how to combat it. And they were patting themselves on the back, congratulating each other with all the things that they were doing 
with the gene splicing tools up until spring of, I think it was 2019. And the State Department and the U.S. Embassy in Beijing sent a couple of cables back to Washington to the to the president, Congress and Senate saying this facility is out of control. They don't have the safety measures that they should for a level three or a level four. This is an accident waiting to happen. In October, a couple of people who had two things in common, they lived in the same apartment building and they worked at the same bio lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, got sick. And a couple of weeks later, the Chinese government is literally, literally spraying the buildings down around the area with disinfectant. And Peter Daszak has been saying since pretty much day one, it could not have possibly have come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Couldn't have happened. It must have come from that dirty wet market across the street. Now, you would think that people would say, no, no, that's, that's, that's bullshit. If you're experimenting on deadly pathogens and people who work at this institute is getting sick, you would think that there would be a connection. And there's no right. there's no evidence at all that these people ever shopped or ate anything from from the wet market. Now, here's the latest thing that I have on this um, actually came in my mail this morning from The New York Times. And they're talking about the, the title of the article. Is, it's written by David Leonhardt. And this is The New York Times saying, good morning. The lab leak theory is everywhere and we have an explainer. So I was like, oh, great. What the hell are they pulling out? And they say, suddenly talk of lab leak theory seems to be everywhere. President Biden yesterday called on U.S. intelligence officials to redouble their efforts to determine the origin of COVID-19 and figure out whether the virus that causes it accidentally leaked from a Chinese laboratory. Major publications and social media have recently been filled with discussion of the subject. So we offer an explainer. And then the headlines are, what are the basics? Why now? What changed? Why all the dismissals? Why does it matter? So what's the truth? The one I want to focus on is the, uh, the heading, why all the dismissals? And the New York Times is saying this, by the way. Remember right, that. Right. It appears to be a classic example of groupthink exacerbated by partisan polarization. Global health officials seemed unwilling to confront Chinese officials who insist the virus jumped from animal to person. In the U.S., one of the theory's earliest advocates was Tom Cotton, the Republican senator from Arkansas who often criticizes China and who has a history of promoting falsehoods like election fraud that didn't happen. Again, New York Times. New York Times. In this case, though, Cotton was making an argument with plausible supporting evidence. The media's coverage of his argument was flawed. Substacks Matthew Iglesias has written some coverage exaggerated Cotton's comments to suggest that China had deliberately released the virus as a biological weapon, whereas Cotton called that very unlikely. Some scientists and others also seem to have decided that if Cotton believed something and Fox News and Donald Trump echoed it, the idea had to be wrong. Right. The result, as Iglesias called it, was a bubble of fake consensus. Scientists who thought a lab leak was plausible, like Chan, received little attention. Scientists who thought the theory was wacky received widespread attention. It's a good reminder. The world is a complicated place where almost nobody is always right or always wrong. And I find it really cool that they say that in the same section where they engage the exact same thing. Right? So they're basically admitting, yeah, we fucked up. Yeah. We fucked up on this. We, we dropped the ball. The lab leak hypothesis has never been ridiculous. It has never been implausible. It has never been unlikely. It has been just as likely throughout the entire time we've been talking about, through the entire time everybody's talking about it. It has been just as likely as any other theory and has supporting evidence behind it as any other theory. And the New York Times is finally is actually admitting in this that they fucked up. I think that that's amazing. Right. Chris, what do you think of this so far? Yeah, it's, it's 
uh, it kind of goes over my head most of the time. It, you know, it's not really anything that, that I can, you know, comment extensively on. It's that whole thing of, of experts, you know, doing everything with it. And, and when by the time it gets to us, it's already been, you know, gone through so many things and and people are like oh how how can i spin this or or whatever that, that's and sounds like there was a lot of you know well you know because of who was in office at the time you know that that i think that kind of tainted it a little bit but i i really don't know for sure i just don't know what to make of it i feel vindicated and angry at the same time <laughs> that's how i feel <laughs> right it's like, you bastards, you've been burying this fucking story for months and now you're admitting it. Oh. One line buried halfway through an article. Yeah, it's you like, know? There were, there, we're allowed to have our conspiracies, but you're not allowed to have your conspiracies. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, the, 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 there were two times last year when we were suspended on Twitter. The first time when we were talking about the lab leak hypothesis and publishing leak uh, links to our episodes. So there was one episode in particular, which would just, it, it just up and disappeared. It just up and disappeared. Yeah. And then the other time is um, when we were posting about, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop and, and you and I had a healthy discussion. Is there anything to this? And just and, right. and leave it at that. And there I went and I asked people on all of these conspiracy theory forums, what happened to the link to our episode about the lab leak hypothesis? And they said, I thought you took it down. I was looking forward to listening to that. Facebook actually went out of their way to remove links that talked about the, the lab leak hypothesis. Now that there is this other thing is like, now this is national review on MSNBC or MSN.com. Take it with a grain of salt. Facebook lifts ban on Wuhan lab leak posts amid renewed debate over theory. <sighs> Sounds like they're just playing catch up with Twitter or they're trying to try not like overshoot them. I mean, face, Facebook, because of that, Facebook, I've never had confidence that it's a healthy place to share anything, you know, incendiary. And the thing is, this shouldn't be incendiary. Well, that's where we run into, I mean, we could talk about like sociopolitical reasons behind groupthink and the whole big tech slash multimedia artisan efforts to put only stories that reflect their thoughts on the matter. Um, what I find interesting, though, is how scientists themselves, like Dr. Fauci, for example, are saying, oh, we've never dismissed it. We've never dismissed it, right? Which is an outright lie, because you can play interviews of them literally saying nothing to suspect that this came from a the Wuhan laboratory of virology. There's nothing to suspect that Dr. Fauci himself was one of the people who really backed the idea of using U S taxpayer funding for experiments at the, the lab in China. Um, and Eric and I have discussed this in past episodes or we're still kind of wondering why the hell you would want to do gain of function research. Is it for some sort of, some sort of vaccine? Is it we we just didn't understand and, and I still don't understand what scientists gain of function research has. I don't understand the role of that aspect of it. So, you know, we're not experts. We don't claim to be experts. We cite our sources on everything. We do research on things, but yeah, we do we don't claim to be experts. It's just interesting how now that the evil orange man is not in office, we discuss it seriously, which we should have been able to do all throughout last year. But there was too much hysteria. We also talked about some of the other books that I've written or not written. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Have some, have some more crock and rum, Eric. 
there there have been a couple of books that I read on this specific topic, specifically meaning lab experiments and lab leaks. One book in particular called The Dead Hand, which talked about an anthrax outbreak in the former Soviet Union because somebody installed the fan, a new fan on a filtration system. Um, system backwards and blue anthrax spores all over the village at the bottom of the hill from where this lab was conducting these experiments on anthrax see and 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 of course everybody is familiar with the book the hot zone which talks about how there was a lab leak in a laboratory somewhere in New Jersey and how people were panicking because God forbid if Ebola breaks out in New Jersey, in a big city in New Jersey that's very close by to an airport, we could have a global epidemic or a pandemic and a lot of people could die from Ebola because people were fucking around with it in a laboratory. Yep. Now, now, let me let me just liberals and Democrats and leftists love Barack Obama, right? Yeah. OK, this is the guy who said there could be a lab leak someday. These gain of function research programs are bad. We should not do this because there could be a lab leak. You tr- they trust Barack Obama, right? Right. OK, so the thing is, is that the one place where perhaps maybe Trump and Obama intersect is talking about their the fear of lab leak. And you look at somebody like it's like the old adage, like a broken clock is is right at least twice a day. I think that that's how the adage goes. I mean, say what you want about Donald Trump, for him to get up and say, "Look, there's a big huge danger." This is this has been the nightmare scenario for 60 or 70 years. Right. And we've dodged the bullet time and again until 2019. Now, here's here's the other wrinkle to this. India is now going through this horrible crisis. Yeah. Is it a is it a different strain of SARS-CoV-2 or are they or it's the same strain? And is it totally playing havoc with them, with this country and causing so many casualties because they were unprepared? Right. Is it an infrastructure problem or is it a viral problem? You know? Um, is it is it a problem that they're not able to get the vaccinations out? Because it doesn't that does not seem to be the case from everything that I understand. EO is really big on this whole thing, so we're getting like every other day updates. It's, you know, it's kind of annoying actually. But what's happening in India does not seem to be an issue with they don't have enough vaccinations or they don't have the infrastructure to get the vaccinations out, at least not in the cities. And that's where it's hitting them the most. Just goes to prove my theory. These are evil and we should all move away from cities as much as possible because when you get a bunch of people in a really tight space, they all turn into assholes. Leaving that aside for now, is this a new strain of the virus? Because we're hearing a lot of people say that that what's hitting India right now is that the same COVID virus that hit everywhere else. But a lot of the people that are saying that are the people that were also saying there is no evidence to support that this came from a lab in Wuhan, China. So evaluation is, let's say, low. I think the other aspect of this that we're not talking about is that you look at somebody like Chris, and I, I hope Chris is still here, whereas it's like... They should know more. You guys should know more. But because the news was stifled on social media, you didn't get to hear a lot about it. Right. Now, and that's pressing to me, right? Is this is the effect of having a, a partisan media is that if you're not, if you're shutting down one avenue of exploration because the wrong person decided that this may actually have affected it how much of a disservice are you doing would we have if we had explored and said yes this is a very possible very china it came from 
a leak in the in the virology lab that's there in China, if they had actually pursued that instead of saying, oh, the wrong parenthetical letter as after this politician's name. So he's saying that, you know, did this on purpose. Well, screw that last part. Does the first part make sense? Because he could still be a whack job and he could be saying that it, he did it on purpose. So does that invalidate the first part of his opinion? So you should still pursue the story, you know? And did China screw up in how they handled this? Are they still screwing up in how they handle it? These are all important questions. And in fact, that article from the New York Times actually discusses that in the section where they say, why is it important? Why is it relevant? Right. So the scary thing about all of this to me is we had something happen that could have been catastrophic. If this virus affected more than less than half of 1% of the population, which is roughly, depending on how you look at it, it was less than one, half of 1% or around half of 1% would die from this virus. Comorbidity drop drives it up to about 1% or 2%. What if this was something that had double-digit lethality? What if this was something much worse? What if it was something more complex? We came up with a vaccination for it in less than a year. That's an amazing testament to our scientific capabilities. When I say our, I don't mean just the United States, because it wasn't just companies within the United States working on it. It was right? a global effort. Exactly. We can all agree that it was a global effort. Exactly. So we were able to come up with a vaccination in a year. How much faster would up with that vaccination if we had had access to the people who were doing gain-of-function research on it, if that should be the case of the origin. Say that was the case. Say that was, instead of it being a virology lab in Wuhan, China, it's some virology lab in Atlanta, Georgia, right? And somehow a, something happened. In the United States, we tend to be a lot more open and honest about our fuck-ups, Right. You know, and if they had said, hey, listen, we found out why this leak happened, but here's everything we know about this virus. We could have had we could have had a vaccination for that in a month or two. But then, of course, it gets back to the fact that they shouldn't have been doing gain of function research in the first place. Right. That's exactly. that's we, they, we should not have been experimenting on this virus to see if we can make it more deadly. I would love to have someone explain the point of doing gain-of-function research on a virus. Well, just look up Peter Daszak, gain-of-function research, and there are plenty of papers and there are plenty of statements from him that explains exactly that. Whether or not you believe it or buy into it, that's that's up to you. But there's the other wrinkle to this, and I, I want to get Chris's take on this. What do you think that this does for the conspiracy theory community as a whole now that it turns out that we were right? What, what do you think? Well, the, the large piece, it, I think it like vindicates them. And then on the other hand, it also, you know, scares the shit out of them realizing, you know, the apparatus that they're going to that they're up against, that they're going to be put up against the next time something happens and they're right. Because that's exactly what they did. They put the entire apparatus into play. They used social media and the mainstream news outlets, with the exception of maybe Fox News, to go after and actually try and ruin and deplatform people like us who talked about this. Now, there's an, and I completely, totally admit to this, Jay and Chris and our listeners. There was an aspect of this that was, I'm not, I don't want to use the word entertaining, but it was captivating talking about it. And I said time and time again, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope that I'm wrong about this. I don't want to be right. I want to be made the fool. I don't want to believe that they're playing around with these deadly viruses. It's like when I had that conversation with, the biology doctoral candidate in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And back in March, I think I think it was of 2019 when I was still driving for Lyft. 
And she said this was the nightmare scenario because bio labs kept cutting corners and cutting corners and cutting corners, um, not doing proper PPE or not providing proper PPE all the time, not doing the basic maintenance, not doing the basic cleanups, not doing the preventative um, uh, bleaching and, and, and alcohol rubdowns of all the surfaces and whatever. And it's like, and they were pushing the boundaries of what they could get away with. And her biggest... Well, it, to some extent, they're a victim of their own success, right? How long had they been doing research of this nature and nothing happened? Decades. That we know of. Right. Well, exactly. So they've been doing this for decades. They think they've got it down. And you're never more dangerous than when you think you know what you're doing. So the, if it came out of a, a lab, the most likely thing that happened, if this came out of the lab in Wuhan, China, it was nothing more than pure, simple human error. That's it. And as someone who is part of my job, we go to great lengths to try and minimize human error. You're never going to eliminate it. So you try and minimize it. I get it. It happens. People are human. Someone's too tired or they're just you know, not feeling it that day. And they don't really need to call out of work. They're just, you know, got the case of the blahs or whatever, right? That shit happens. It happens all the time. It happens to everybody, right? So there's no harm in admitting, hey, it's human error. And this is what we're going to do to prevent it next time. But why not admit that it's fucking a human error to begin with? They, yeah, this is what we do. And, you know, we screwed up. They lied to us about face masks at the very, very, very beginning because for yeah. because Fauci has a valid point. We wanted to make sure that the people on the front line had them. Right. Um, and then Fauci had had said that, oh, no, we, we didn't we didn't fund gain of function research in Wuhan. We, we didn't fund that at all. And a clip that I wanted to play, and I think I'm just going to insert it instead. You know, Fauci was asked by a, a congresswoman, uh, congressman, how do you know? that we didn't fund this research. What makes you think that they didn't lie to us? Uh, Dr. Fauci, I believe you have testified that, uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, I believe you have testified that, uh, that uh, you didn't give any money to the Wuhan lab to conduct gain of function research. Is that right? That is correct. How do you know they didn't lie to you? Excuse me, sir? How do you know they didn't lie to you and use the money for gain-of-function research anyway? Well, we've seen the results of the experiments that were done and that were published and that the viruses that they um, uh, studied are on public databases now. So none of that was gain-of-function. So how, how do you know they didn't do the research and uh, not put it on their website? There's no way of guaranteeing that, but in our experience with grantees, including Chinese grantees, which we've had interactions with for a very long period of time, they're very competent, trustworthy scientists. I'm not talking about anything else in China. I'm talking about the scientists that you would expect that they would abide by the conditions of the grant, which they've done for the years that we've had interactions. So you don't think the Chinese would lie to you? Well, when you say the Chinese, the Chinese are a rather broad group. I know the scientists that we've dealt with have been trustworthy. Mm -hmm. You think all the scientists uh, have told the truth in terms of the origin of the Wuhan virus and not been influenced by the Communist Party of China, do you? I don't have enough insight into the Communist Party in China to know the interactions right. between them and the scientists, sir. Right. Why are we giving them money in the first place? Well, that's a very good question, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to answer welcome. it. Uh, well, SARS-CoV-1 started in China, in Guangdong province, and it went from a bat to a civet cat to yes, a human. Yes, and excuse me, Doc, for interrupting you, but our time is so yeah, limited. No, no, I'm, I'm going to be real quick. I, our time is so limited. Why are we giving money to the labs in China to study virology. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a rather succinct answer to that, sir. I appreciate that. And that's why I was saying the SARS-CoV-1 
clearly the bats that have the viruses, that are the coronaviruses, are in China, as I said a couple of times. It's not in Fairfax County, Virginia, or is it in New York? It's in China. So if you want to show and study, importantly, the animal-human interface... Because that's where the bats are. Yeah, the bats. That's where the bats are. I want to be sure I understand your testimony. You didn't give money to the Wuhan lab to do gain-of-function research. That is correct. And you believe they didn't do gain-of-function research because they told you they didn't. We've seen the results of the studies that they conducted, and they were not... Including any private studies. Excuse me? Including? Any private studies. I'm not sure what you're getting at, sir. Here's what I'm getting at. You gave them money, and you said, don't do gain-of-function research. Correct. And they said, we won't. Correct. And you have no way of knowing whether they did or not, except you trust them. Is that right? Well, we generally always trust the grantee to do what they say. And you look at the results. Have you ever had a grantee lie to you? I cannot guarantee that a grantee has not lied to us because you never know. Yeah. Can we agree that if you took President Xi Jinping and turned him upside down and shook him, the World Health Organization would fall out of his pocket. I don't think I can answer that question, sir. I'm sorry. Well, do you think that the uh, President Xi Jinping has undue influence over the World Health Organization, do you? I, I have no way of knowing the influence of the President of China over the WHO. Okay, so you think the WHO is a completely independent body, level playing field, call it like you see it, and they really want to get to, to, to the bottom of the origin of the virus. Do you believe that? My interaction with the WHO and for Dr. Tedros, the director general, has been one okay. that I do believe he's a person of high degree of integrity. I, I want to I ask one last question. Why, why did you guys spike, not guys and ladies, why did y'all spike the prior administration's uh, investigation into the origins of the coronavirus and whether it could have uh, come out of the Wuhan lab? Sir, I, I, we did not spike anything in the prior administration. I'm not sure what you mean by spike, but we have no influence. The State Department spiked the, the, the prior administration's right. uh, study. But that has nothing to do with the National Institutes of so Health. So they didn't consult with y'all? They did not. Did they consult with you, Dr. Collins? I read about it in the press this morning. Doc? They just spiked it without talking to their experts? You don't want to answer that one, do you? I just read about it. Thank you, Madam Chair. Here is Senator Kennedy asking Dr. Felci pertinent questions about funding American dollars that went to the Wuhan lab that we're talking about right now. Right. I mean, it was fiasco to begin with and all of that other shit, but that's a very good question from the senator. How, what assurances do you have that we did not fund this? I'm looking at the time and I'm, I'm wondering how much, how much blood, how much more blood can we squeeze out of this rock? Um, <laughs> should there be any consequence against social media for censoring this or any other conspiracy theory? What what should happen to social media? Well, here's the problem. How much how much regulation regulation from the government when it comes to maintaining our freedom of speech? Right. Because in some way, I don't want the government to be able to go to Facebook and say, you can't filter anything. You can't prevent people from saying anything because then you're going to start seeing really crazy shit like pornography posts and, you know, imagine like, I don't know, like, you know, the Pornhub Facebook account coming out. You know what I mean? So I'm okay with a little bit of that, 
moderation, but I think the key is they have the sort of company they are. Are they a publisher, in which case they should have editorial rights, or are they a platform, in which case they bear no editorial rights and they neither do they bear any accountability for what someone else posts on them. You know what I mean? So is it is it something where we have to maintain that sort of kind of don't want to use the term delicate balance, but that's really, I think, the most appropriate between what responsibility and accountability Facebook and even Google search engine, even search engines in general have for what comes up on their returns. You know, if I want to look up, you know, bomb making because I'm writing a book and the bad guy in the book is a yeah, Jay, you keep cutting out. I think I think we may have lost Jay. Or whether or not now can you guys hear me? I can hear you. All right. Chris, while we're waiting for, for Jason to come back, what what do you what do you think should happen with social media in the light of all of this? <clears throat> now that we know for a fact that they've been censoring people um from talking about um this topic. Well, in relation to this topic, I mean the government gets a get out of jail free card. Because they get to wipe their hands free of it and say, hey, we had nothing to do with it. It was a private company doing it. And every single time we see Facebook and Twitter put up b- before the, the Congress to ask them about these free speech issues, they just dance around it. Because the people who in the Congress who are asking are so old and out of touch that they don't know what the hell they're, they're talking about or asking, even when they do ask them. And, and the CEOs, and, and they just outright lie to them and they're never going to be held accountable to it because these private companies hold the power i mean just look at the i think you're a lot kinder to them than i am yeah i mean just look at i mean just look at the the i mean when they had the thing going when they were talking about how um right-wing and conservative people were being targeted and shadow banned and stuff like that they just said, oh, no, we, we don't do that stuff. And then a leak came out that there is a shadow ban option for some of the more um, for for some of the admins of this stuff that at least in Twitter. And it's just more of the government isn't tech savvy enough, or at least the people who represent us are not tech savvy enough to hold our interests in mind. And the the Fortune 500 tech social uh, Silicon Valley companies who hold all the reins, you know, they, they've already established themselves as the public square and, and they're more than willing and ready. And they're still shutting down conversation. You know, you still see those, the, the, the blips that pop up whenever anyone mentions anything about COVID in the, in the mix and stuff like that. And, and it's just, you know, I don't know what to make of it. It's just going to be, I think it's just going to be more of the same. And they're both, you're both kinder to them and not as kind as I am. I don't think they, the government needs to, the law, our lawmakers do not need to understand the technology. They don't. There's no reason why they need to. They don't need to understand, you know, the network, how it works, the, the social, uh, or the, uh, you know the the greater technical details of it. They don't need to know that. All they yeah, but need they have to, to have a basic is, foundation of how of how it's used, how it's implemented. I don't think so. I don't think they do. I don't. I really don't think they do. I think all they need to know is why is it on your platform? People who are on this side of the political aisle seem to not be able to have the same audience as people on the opposite side of the political aisle. And Can then you when explain they, that when to they me? bring that why question it, up, the Mark Zuckerberg and and, and uh, Jack Dorsey, they just say, oh, we don't do that. And well, then I understand that. Right. Evidence of that. Half There's of no the way people that they're talking to, to believe them. Yeah, because it's that, well, then they throw the burden on proof on them to prove that they're, that they're doing that. Exactly. And they don't know how to do that. Well, yeah, but they also don't call in anyone into Congress who is on the other side who is capable of providing that ever, evidence. That is probably one of the biggest frustrating aspects to all of this is right. that you've got half the people our government is so hidebound and tied to their own political ideologies that they just aren't willing 
to give the other side of any political discussion the benefit of the doubt or even, in some cases, even an opportunity to express their frustrations. I think that you could have somebody like Jack Dorsey, and we've talked about this on I don't know how many different episodes of this podcast, who has come right out and lied in testimony under grilling from um, conservatives, Republican senators and congressmen. This is like, you know, why do you shadow ban or why do you why do you block um, some people with this ideology and some people with this that ideology? And he will say yeah. he, and he said something to the extent that, oh, no, we hardly ever do that. We you know, we so we support, you know, the First Amendment. People have a right to um, to say whatever it is that they want to say. We draw the line at hate speech. And it was just like there's no pressure or comeback. Well, why wasn't the follow up question of what how do you define hate? Speech how do you after? define hate, hate speech? And it's like I I look at so many other people who are quote, conservatives on social media platforms who get censored for some of the dumbest stuff. When um, other people on the other side of the political aisle say the exact same level of vitriol and hatred and nothing happens to them. Oh, exactly. Why is it okay for whoever the fuck it is, Kiki Minaj or whoever the hell it is, that says, that has that song, Wet Ass Pussy, why is it she can say that? But some you know, commentator, political commentator can't say, don't be such a pussy about it. Right. Because of the two, one is more, I would say anyway, one is definitely more egregious than the other. And it's not the commentator. Oh, they're, they're held to different standards. Sure. Yeah. And why are they? Why isn't Congress pushing that? Why aren't they saying on, you know, why don't they have Steven Crowder testifying in front of Congress Stephen Crowder, who was the one that proved that Google adjusted their algorithm on the fly during the presidential debate and Tulsi and buried Tulsi Gabbard's chances of actually winning the election. He has hard evidence of that. Yeah. Hard evidence. You do not have to be a technocrat to understand. How come he wasn't in front of Congress? How come he has to take everything on by himself when he's a pro- when he's going after YouTube. Why the hell isn't he standing in front of Congress? Why is he? Why isn't he getting his day to voice his concerns? Yeah. Well, the, he, a guy like him isn't even invited. Yeah. And exactly. that's where I get that. That. that what, what to my original point of these representatives need to be more savvy. They need to actually know what the hell is going on with the technology and understand it better. But I don't think it's a technology thing. Is my only disagreement with you there. I think you're right, but I, I think yeah. it's not necessarily yeah, technological. I, I mean, when, when I say when I say techno I'm not speaking to the nuance of they need to know what an ISP router is or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being savvy to it and understanding how it works and how it's used and stuff like that and its execution and stuff like that. I, I don't mean like like um, like okay. like can they. Uh, can they at least tell the difference between a Twitter account and a Facebook account? Because I remember there was one where a guy hold, held up his phone, his congressman phone, and he said, and he kept referring to, and he was roast, he was supposed to be addressing Mark Zuckerberg, and he kept referring to his phone as a, as a Twitter. And, <laughs> and it's like, you're talking to Mark Zuckerberg. That's not the same thing. We need people that understand that there's a difference, that it's not the same thing. You know, at least... So that way they can bring in a Crowder and 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 a, and a Tim Pole and people like that who can, you know, make a fair argument better than they could be when they're uh, addressing these people. See, now, I, I think, I, again, I'm a lot more bitter about this, but I think, honestly, I think they know damn well that they don't understand it as well as they sometimes claim to. Uh, yeah. I think they also know damn well that they are only getting one side of the story, and I think that's on purpose. Uh, I think they're doing it to because right now the party in charge is benefiting from what it is that these companies are doing, and they see an opportunity to maintain being in charge for a long period of time. Because whenever it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or Constitution Party or Green Party or whatever, when your party's in power, there is a a desire to maintain that power. That's human nature. It's one of the 
great flaws of humanity, right? So you'll do whatever you think is going to help you maintain that power, even if it's unscrupulous. If you talk to a lot of these politicians one-on-one, and I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of sitting congressmen, they understand that there needs to be a balance between the parties. There needs to be a balance between Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, even some of them will admit that they see a value in having more third parties involved in the process. But when it comes right down to it and push comes to shove and they're sitting there in Congress, they're just swept up in, well, we could maintain, we could win the next election. We could, if we do this, we could win the next five elections. And they get caught up in that because it's a human thing to do. They're not infallible as much as they would like us to think they are. And the opposing party has, of course, lost their teeth in that they're not really standing up again. And I think a lot of it is because, again, they're not technically savvy. But also part of it is, you know, I mean, they they still want to be liked. And they think that being liked means appeasing to these sort of leftist people because they run Hollywood. So they want to be liked by these people who hate them, who hate their guts and are never going to accept them. So they try to cater to these. They think that entertainment and all that stuff only leans left and all the parties and stuff like that only lean left when it's like you could you could start your own parties yeah i mean there's more than enough support on the other side but -hmm. they don't see that because they're they're too afraid of being called mean things by the other side and the thing is the mean things the other side they're allowed to say those mean things but if the other but if the right says mean things in return and retaliates rightfully they get shut down and they know they know that so they're not going to. Right. And at the same time, too, they're also they've abdicated a certain level of <sighs> plausible deniability. I, I don't know. Ignorance. That's not the right. I well, was. Yeah, I, but I, I was going to say the left is, is the only people who can say you're being racist. Right? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I and, and I know that we've had we've had the, this conversation. Yeah. I gotta 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 stop saying that. One of the one of the things that I have noticed is because I'm here in New Hampshire, uh, the primary state, as it were. You get to talk to these people about these issues. I mean, Jay, uh, there I was on C-SPAN talking to Tulsi Gabbard, not as Eric from the Fedora Chronicles, but as just Eric who got out of work found out that. Tulsi Gabbard is doing a meet and greet at my neighbor's house. And I went and I, and I talked to her for about five or 10 minutes on censorship, online censorship. And it, and, and, um, (laughs) we, we, I, I had, you know, I'm on record for saying on C-SPAN to Tulsi Gabbard, we've been censored. And, um, I, I, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't think that there's an answer. I think it's like Dennis Mill, De, like what Dennis Miller says. Like I'm done. I, I'm I'm done pretending that it, it can be fixed. So, and I think I think that, um, I don't know if 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 we've worn this topic out. Well, I don't think we've worn it out. We just may have kicked it into dead horse status for today. <laughs> the problem is, it's a, it's a complex topic. It's not something we're ever going to resolve just amongst us. At some point, it becomes just a bitching session. Is why can't? Why can't? Why can't? Yeah. So. I, I think that this is going to be something that I will be talking to the candidates when they come back through uh, the, the region for the next election. Probably the midterms too. I think. I think that I am going to show up and talk directly to Gene Shaheen. Um, and they'll probably not let me in the building because of my history with Gene Shaheen. Right. Because but the you thing can is, try anyway. Oh, I can try. And Gene Shaheen is all in favor of online censorship, as we've talked about before. Right. It, was there any? And there, are, there are, again, if you get them out of Washington, I think a lot more Congress people are honestly against censorship in any form. But then once they get in there, and they get into that groupthink, that mind meld that happens, they lose sight of it. Most people do. It's a human thing. It's not something that 
they're awful people. I mean, they might be, I don't know, but the, the, tr the truth is they're, they're just human. And when they get into, we fall victim to it too. We get into these discussions sometimes and we just start feeding into kind of our own paranoia. And that's why a lot of conspiracy theories are and conspiracy theorists are looked down upon is because when you get into a bubble like that, it's easy for that, what that's, reasonability to take a broader view so what seems reasonable when you're talking in mixed company becomes unreasonable when you're talking about it in a groupthink situation so i th i think that th this is probably not the game changer that i want it to be i think that now that we've been vindicated and we've been proven yeah We've been proven correct. We've been proven right. I'm pretty sure that this is all going to be swept underneath the rug. And people are just going to be able to say, oh, it wasn't as bad as you say it was. And things are going to go right. back to normal. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you Keep your chins up and your fedoras on.